Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Mark and Steve. We have, uh, what will we call this, Steve? A, a very difficult topic in some ways to try and navigate. And so we're going to tell you right up front, uh, this one's pretty tough. And you probably saw from the title, whenever we start to talk about mental illness and in combination with addiction and betrayal trauma, uh, that's that starts to move out into the wild swift current of the river right <laughs> yes uh, it's, a, it's just a big topic you know just there's so just a huge. lot to it it's yeah. so huge and the other thing we want to say right out of the gate is please this is not the definitive authoritative declaration of all things mental illness and, and addiction and betrayal trauma it's just to kind of open up the topic look at some issues in a very raw and real way and then and then give you the opportunity to then uh, with your own professionals and your own resources to start taking an in-depth look at it. Yes. So we're just going to try to open up the topic. So please understand that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And that really goes, I think, for all of our episodes, you know, because it's just, we, we recognize everybody's situation is so different. We know that most of you have def definite similarities to our story, but um, there would never be a way to really cover this in Trying to do this one-on-one -on -one takes usually several sessions with, with one <laughs> yeah, specific it, client it or couple. And so, yeah, we just, we just want to break the ice on it, get you guys thinking about it and get you something to work on. Yeah, so. for sure. So let's, so we'll start, I'm, let's start, I'm going to get uh, really uh, raw and real about my story. Uh, if we're going to talk about mental illness. So I like to, I like to sort of jokingly, but almost kind of in a painful way, <laughs> say that I come from the craziest family on planet earth. 
my extended family. Hopefully none of them are listening. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think heard this many times. I don't think they are. Because <laughs> I haven't had any contact with them in like 30 years. <laughs> but we like to, you know, we say, uh, genetically speaking, you know, I inherited the the grab bag with regard to mental illness, just about mm. anything and everything you can imagine going back for many generations. And we know from, you know, the latest amazing work in what's called epigenetics, that environment is typically the thing that will turn on those genetic switches. Mm -hmm. uh, they can lay dormant and never really turn on during our lifetimes if the environment is healthy. And unfortunately, I had the environment as a kid that turned on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, imagine seeing a little kid at a circuit breaker turning on all the switches. Click, 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 click. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. <laughs> your, your brain was like that little kid in the elevator everybody hates. It hits yeah, all the pushes buttons. all the buttons <laughs> and stops at every floor. <laughs> that was, that's me. And so growing up, you know, I really uh, experienced all the things that I now know what they are, but I didn't then. But today we would call them, you know, depression, anxiety, ADHD, yeah. uh, uh, Tourette syndrome. I suffered from horribly for, for many years, uh, panic attacks, uh, even what I would call some bipolar symptoms in some mm. ways, uh, yeah. narcissism. Uh, very much so, which we know is a, an extreme reaction to trauma in many cases. So all kinds of stuff that I suffered from uh, growing up. And, I, and nobody really knew what was going on. And I didn't have family members that could see it or diagnose it or help me with it because they were suffering from many of those things at the same time. Yeah. And so now comes my, uh, the, the exposure experiences with regard to sexual addiction pornography and sexual situations and hitting puberty and all the all of the conditions and environment that took place with that and combine that with my mental illness. And now my brain discovers this way to soothe and cope and escape and deal with all of that stuff that already existed within me. Mm -hmm. Now is being answered supposedly, right, by this addiction outlet that I've discovered. Yeah. Now you bring those two worlds together right? The mental illness, the addiction, and now it becomes very confusing. Absolutely. Where does one start? Which came first? Am I currently suffering from my mental illness issues? Or is this just purely an addiction issue that I'm involved with right now? Yeah. And you literally, um, I got to the place where I, I was so confused in, in so much turmoil and upheaval, I could not navigate. I, I didn't know whether I was coming or going, whether it was day or night, it just becomes such a difficult place to, to try and navigate those two parallel worlds that are now intersecting. Yeah. So we're very sensitive to that as we're doing this podcast. Uh, I have a lot of clients that are in that place where they do bring uh, some mental health, mental illness issues to their addiction or their addiction triggers a lot of those things. So uh, my heart goes out to, to everyone listening who suffers from any of that any of that realm of of struggle yeah it's a it's a really tough uh it's a tough issue to tackle because as, as you were kind of alluding to mark it's uh you know a lot of the uh mental health conditions that we work with you know professionally are mimicked in many ways but for example by both addiction and or betrayal trauma type symptoms isn't that true 
right? And, and, it, and it can be really difficult, you know, ferreting that out. It speaks to one of the many reasons why we encourage you guys all the time to be working with somebody who, is, who has specific training and experience working with sexual addiction. Yes. At least addiction in general, but definitely sexual addiction if possible, because uh, a lot of your a, a lot of typical therapists who may not have training specifically in those areas would label a lot of the symptoms that a person comes in with. Right. As, for example, a great a great classic example is ADHD. Right. Yeah. We have so many clients that come to us that have uh, ADHD symptoms. Yes. Or they say they're ADHD. And mm-hmm. it's very much a part of their addiction. I would say about nine out of 10 of the guys that I work yeah, with. About honestly. 90%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they would qualify. If I busted open my DSM manual, you know, they would qualify symptomology wise for a, de- for a diagnosis of that. But it's, it's, a, it's a very much a chicken before the egg argument. I oftentimes tell clients, right? Did, did these ADHD symptoms, did they leave me prone to something like pornography, which is the typical you know, interactor when it comes to ADHD versus addiction Mm -hmm. in that pornography, as we talk about on here all the time, right? It rewires the brain to focus on what the next new shiny object it's, it, it it emphasizes the thrill component. It emphasizes the newness novelty component and guys will come in and it's again, nine out of 10 guys that I work with who have a, who have a longstanding pornography addiction can have very high difficulty concentrating on anything. Oftentimes when they're spending time alone, and this probably resonates with a lot of you guys, uh, when I was deep in my addiction, I would be doing like four things simultaneously. I'd be like playing a, I'd have a podcast, like playing on my phone, right. Or, or maybe I'm playing a game on my phone. I'd have the TV running and then maybe even have something to, to switch to during the commercials. Yes. Like there was just constantly, you know what I mean? All of these things. And again, that's just one example, but you know, we oftentimes have to take a closer look when it comes to, you know, is this a true condition? Meaning, is it a standalone condition? Or is it caused by the other? And I think in my experience, it's probably a little bit of both, right? It's very cyclical. One feeds on the other. Yeah, a lot of a lot of us like I was are already have some of those conditions with regard to mental illness or brain disorders. Yes, Uh, they can be mild. And then when addiction hits, it just it kind of carries them over the edge where they become severe. Yeah. Or there can be truly legitimate, more severe conditions that then lead us to the addiction in order to find relief, in Absolutely. order to be able to cope. Yes. Yeah. So it's very much true. Well, and, and what you bring up is a great point because the vast majority of people, right, struggle with symptoms similar to anxiety at times, right? Yes. Or symptoms similar to depression. And that can be everything from genetics, like you said, to upbringing, to environment, to everything. And oftentimes something like addiction will come along, for example, like a betrayal trauma client, right? I, if I'm working with a wife who maybe she is genetically or environmentally maybe predisposed to being down more of the time than not, that that wife would not typically hit a threshold where we would say, yeah, you have, you know, clinical depression or yeah, you, you know, you clinically you're dealing with anxiety or whatever it may be, but the addiction in the part of her spouse acts as a catalyst and kind of takes that, right. That, uh, kind of looking at a cup where the water's right at the edge. Right. And it acts like the, the tipping point where it kind of comes spilling over. Yeah. 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 No, it's so true. So, yeah. 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 And- so yeah, that's where we, what we're really we and we could go on and on about all you know, 
Did the mental illness come first? The addiction followed it. Did the addiction come first, which triggered a lot of symptoms or maybe latent or mild conditions that suddenly flare up? There's a lot of that going on. And, and so we're just wanting all of you listening to be aware of that. Um, I For like sure. to come from this place. I really is a place of self-compassion and a place, if you have a partner who's really severely struggling, a place to maybe get in, you know, get to where you can, you can understand them a little bit better about what they might mm, be struggling with. Yeah. So just realize uh -huh. it's a very complicated field. Uh, it's crisscrossing all over the place. I mean, whenever we're talking about the brain and these issues, it's always complex. Now you throw yeah. emotions and relations, you know, relationships and addiction, you throw that all into the same pot together and it's gonna yeah. be really complex. Absolutely. And, and then we need to talk about something before we talk about solutions, because there is another component to this. It's the, I, I guess I would call it the pile on effect, right? Mm. Where these, these things start to layer over one another. I'll give you an example. So say I'm working with, with somebody struggling with bipolar disorder. We won't get into the details of bipolar one versus bipolar two and all that stuff today. But, uh, you know, usually bipolar disorder, a key a keynote of, of struggling with that are these large mood swings that either happen in short cycles, more what we call rapid cycles or longer ones, right? So there's yes. these, these big ups and downs and that big ups and down when I, when I'm talking with a client who may be struggling with, or maybe has already been diagnosed with that, uh, the addiction complicates the situation greatly mm, because you're yeah. already kind of going on. We have, we have a, we have a, uh, an amusement park that's close by me and it's got this old rickety roller coaster and they've reinforced <laughs> it and everything, but it's, it's huge and it's made of wood. And I don't know how, I mean, it's terrifying just watching people go on it, but it's, you know, it's one of the, it is old. And so it's whiplashy. It's like up and down and everywhere and trying to navigate bipolar disorder for many, uh, they, they tend to describe it much like that. When you throw in the highs and lows that come chemically and emotionally from an addiction and you try to throw that into that soup, it's sort of like trying to ride two roller coasters simultaneously. Yeah. And it makes life not just unmanageable, it makes it downright chaotic in like every form and fashion. And yeah, and the same thing with betrayal trauma, right? Yes, you, you're exactly. already riding your roller coaster, which is difficult. Now you throw, but you're suddenly your spouse discloses or you catch them or you find out. And now, like you say, you've got another roller coaster that's thrown on top of the one that already exists. Absolutely. Now you're riding two. And you're literally getting torn apart, like know, literally right? trying to ride both, right? Yeah, trying to ride both. Um, you know, your husband's having a great day with his addiction. He's been sober for two weeks, but because he's been sober for two weeks, either other mental health stuff or your betrayal trauma kicks in because you feel safer to feel it. And yeah, so now you're super down. See, right? that's a great point. Things are going good. Why, why suddenly are things falling apart? Well, because you finally felt safe enough to start digging down below the surface to get to the real issues. That's See, never that's just, happened before. Exactly. And that's just one of like a thousand nuances we could describe. <laughs> that's so, so true. So that pylon effect is important as we kind of jump into the solution here now, which that's what we'll shift to is, you know, in terms of breaking the cycle, we have to, rec we have to recognize that there are multiple quote unquote roller coasters going on. So... Um, I think the first thing probably that is important to mention here, right, is that uh, as Mark already indicated this, you can speak to this better than I can, uh, but we are, we are in many ways, both of us examples of that, right? You can come out, I mean, my, 
one of these days we're gonna we're gonna drag our wives on these pod on these on, on a podcast episode and have them you guys think we're messed up now just wait till, you know, just wait till that happens um and and talk about that but they're uh you know they have both been married to pretty Crazy insane people. men yes right what clinically like literally clinically what would be categorized as insane in many respects at different times and uh we'd like to think we're saner now i'm maybe we're just deeper in the denial but i, I think that we're <laughs> i think that we are i think that we are saner now um, at least that's what they would say so uh there is hope this absolutely yeah. can be changed but there, it does take some 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 efforts in some specific ways uh to address yeah for sure no the yeah there there's enormous hope just the fact that Steve and I are sitting here on these microphones talking intelligently and that we're still alive. Yes, <laughs> is, honestly. Is an evidence to the great hope and the miracle. Yes. Um, so, you know, hang in there, everybody. There is, there is enormous hope. Now, the thing about as we start to talk about solutions, again, please realize this, is, this, is, this can be very complex. It's also multifaceted. You yes. can't come at this with one single one size fits all solution, right? I'm just going to do yep. all recovery. And, and, you know, for example, my 12 step program will solve all of it. Mm -hmm. We love 12 step and we use yes. those principles every day in our lives. But when we start to talk about this combination of mental illness and addiction and betrayal trauma, that by itself is not going to be enough. So the, the, the hard part is the different angles that you've got to come at this with in order to treat it holistically. Yes, absolutely. And there are there are probably two primary ways we can break this down, right? When we're when we're trying to ferret out, separate these issues and deal with them so that they're not just this overwhelming, crazy monster. The first is eliminating the variables that you can, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we, we call that. So the, a good example of that would be, uh, and again, I, I don't know how much many of my addict clients, because they're kind of caught up in a more avoidant style lifestyle, and because of their addiction itself, and, and when that occurs, when they act out, also are dealing with heavy insomnia, right? Oh, I, yes. I was. I mean, sleep issues for sure. There, there was a time for me where, like, literally 3 a.m. was like a normal person's 10. It's like, oh, maybe I ought to think about, you know, going to sleep right now. Exactly. Um, and that's not uncommon at all. And as we've talked about many times on here, right? <laughs> a lack of sleep makes everything in the mental health world everything harder <laughs> oh yeah if lack not of, impossible right because sleep makes healthy normal people crazy yes absolutely you know? and, and so i love that you brought that that is one of the very first variables that we can look at to try and change is so with regard to sleep and so steve and i we don't have time to talk about this on this podcast but we really encourage you to do some research about how to get regular healthy sleep patterns. Yes. <clears throat> it's about how you prepare yourself at night. It's about eliminating blue light and devices. Uh -huh. It's about, you know, letting your brain calm down. Uh, it has everything to do, for example, with, you know, what you eat, how late you eat. Uh, mm -hmm. Are you watching television right up to the time you lay your head on the pillow? Are you sitting in bed checking your phone? There's a lot of basic principles that you can start to integrate into your life that will, that will greatly improve that sleep factor. Absolutely. But that's one variable. The other one that immediately comes to mind, to my mind that I just mentioned is your diet. Mm -hmm. Diet has an enormous amount to do with mental health. I mean, I can't underestimate that. 
So what are you eating? What are you drinking? Um, taking a really serious look at that from a mental health standpoint is a big deal. And you may not have made that connection till now. Yeah. But the food we put in our mouth has a dramatic impact on our brains. Hugely. No, t- completely agree. And there, are, and there are lots of, again, everyone's situation will be different. And so uh, you, when we talk about this first of two ways, right, you want to be looking at areas that you want to start with the, you know, oftentimes in finance, they talk about the snowball effects, smart, start with the sm- smallest debt when you're working on debt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing here. Focus on the things that are easiest. You know, yes. there are, chances are there's a decent list of little things that really wouldn't take they take discipline to do, but they don't involve like a huge lifestyle change necessarily to to accomplish. Now, we're again, we know you all have got kids and families and lives and jobs and all the other stuff that that we all deal with. Um, and so it does take some pushing into some other areas and it does take more discipline. And it does. I know a lot of the young parents I work with. Sometimes the insomnia is kid caused, not because the kids keep them up, <laughs> but because they because the kids are so energetic right that's a good way to put it all day long they look at that last like three or four hours of the day it's like that's my sanity time yeah exactly (laughs) don't tell me to go to bed before 1 a.m like that's crazy yeah that's (laughs) my time (laughs) so it may take some changes but 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 those are the best place to start the second piece to that uh, so we've got eliminating the variables that you can the other that we want to focus on is stabilizing the areas that you can Mm -hmm. a little bit different from eliminating because there are certain things that we can't necessarily get rid of or make a concrete change because they aren't necessarily completely within the, within our control. A good example are, would be the chemical highs and lows that accompany certain types of depression, anxiety, as well as a lot of other issues, including like bipolar disorder. And so uh, stabilizing those areas, stabilizing those ups and downs, for example, on a mental health level, uh, on the chemical side, is going to help you tremendously in terms of addressing the the mental side um it it it, it's kind of akin to back to our roller coaster example you're sort of starting to ride more just one roller coaster and being able to deal with more one thing uh mark and i are obviously therapists we we aren't psychiatrists um generally speaking a psychiatrist is going to be geared more towards a focus on on you know give me a list of your symptoms and then let's talk medication intervention when we're Mark and I don't, that isn't our typically our first go-to. Uh, we like to work on the actual underlying environmental, mental thinking error problems that are all associated with good therapy. That being said, though, medications absolutely do have a place. Um, and when you're talking about breaking free, for example, of addiction, any mental health issues that you're dealing with, speaking to you addicts, and I guess to you partners, plan on them, plan on them flaring plan on them am- amplifying when, when that, when you or your partner's going through that withdrawal, uh, you know, things as much as he may have been varied before, he's going to be even more so now. And if we had the time, Mark and I could just story after story of that, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but you'll want to be wa- watching for that. Yeah. Because things can appear to get worse before they get better. And Absolutely. Really that quote, worse part is just peeling back the layers and starting the healing process, which can hurt. I mean, think of it as this wound that's just scarred over and scabbed over, but it's all infected underneath. And what does the doctor got to do? First thing, rip all that off. And man, does it hurt. Oh boy. And Yeah. yeah, right. And so there's a big part of that process. And the medications, you know, I've worked a lot in the substance abuse field. I've seen the really dark side of, of meds. 
Um, I do support medication. I believe that uh, it can be a wonderful scaffolding, as I call it, to support mm-hmm. you and, and prop you up while you're learning to do these other things and working through your addiction and relational issues. Um, just from my personal side, I, I first of all recommend that you go to professionals who understand addiction. Yes. So that when they do help you, they do prescribe, they have a real sensitivity to the fact that that could become abusive. Yes. Uh, you could you could suddenly replace your sexual addiction with a me- with a medication addiction. So you need someone who understands how that works and can navigate it. I'm a big yeah. believer in starting out with the smallest dose you can, and also having a real time frame in mind. Um, mm-hmm. I like medications for a shorter t- time span for that scaffolding. Yeah. Understanding, as you said, though, that there may be cases where because of some severe mental illness or brain, you know, brain structure issues or chemical levels that are going on, long-term medication can, can be appropriate and helpful. And that's why we, you know, we refer you to the professionals for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and we, we do, we tend to, I think, default more towards looking at medication as a, a short-term crutch, right? Mm-hmm. Just to sort of bear you up while, while the other areas of life are healing. But there are those situations as well. Like, a good example is bipolar disorder. When you look at the research, I mean, it's, it's clear from every angle. Therapy can help. Other, invention, other, other interventions can help. Medication really is a baseline requirement to manage yeah. that in many cases. So Exactly. Um, so anyway. And last of all, you know, we would encourage all of you to please be realistic about this process. Um, I know as addicts, we're all or nothing, racehorses out of the gate, go to the extreme, Right. But this is very much a process of, and sometimes a very long process. Yeah. And so it's all about progressing along the path and the journey, not coming to perfection and, you know, right away or eliminating everything bad right away. It's very much a gradual path that we travel. So, so just be very conscious of that and and being patient with each other. Um, as you and we talk about this often, so just mentioning it briefly, remember that as you navigate this as a couple, especially safety is created more so in the trajectory of the marriage and the relationship and in that notion of both parties fighting for each other and feeling that from one another than it does from hitting some sort of objective destination. Mm. Destinations are important too, right? Hitting a year of sobriety, a year, five years of sobriety, you know, are all important milestones. And, and there are lots of others that you can measure as well. But in the short term, you can create a lot of safety in relationship by getting serious in really any of the areas we talk about week to week uh, in terms of making changes and, and making, making progress a little further along today than you did yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. So should we jump into the assignment? Let's do this. Yeah, let's, let's finish up with an assignment. So <clears throat> having taken, you know, this is just a really simple, narrow, there's nothing going on topic. Uh, ha ha ha. <laughs> How in the world do you wrap an assignment around this thing? Yeah. You know, and, and so one of the things we would encourage all of you listening, the first thing would be to just begin to engage in a raw, honest dialogue about these issues. Because the way I was raised, you didn't talk about this stuff. I'm yeah. not going to talk to anybody about my depression, my anxiety, you know, all of the stuff that I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. I was taught you just keep that hidden. You just cope by yourself, you know, bucket up, buttercup. Yeah. And we just didn't talk about it. Never in my family did we talk about the mental illness elephant that was in the room. Never that I was growing up. So just sitting down together as you're, if you're a couple and starting to, to dare to talk about this stuff in the most authentic, you know, vulnerable way that you can, 
that is a great starting place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and keep in mind, as with many of our assignments, when we give couple assignments, that there it does need to be sort of a critical mass of trust and safety to mm. do parts of it. And so, yes. and that is the case here because we're gonna talk about some helping your spouse evaluate themselves as well as you evaluating you. We we really hesitate to move into that territory, but uh, there is potential for that if if things are going well to a certain point degree, where you can your partner can be some of your one of your best best assets in helping you to see your blind spots. Well, and I'm glad you said that, Steve, because some of you listening, you may not be in a place in your relationship where you're able to sit down and have this kind of raw, honest dialogue. Yep. It may not be safe. You just may not be in the place where you're ready or willing to do it. And that's an example of when you want to get some professional help to help you begin to navigate that. Absolutely. No, for sure. So, so yeah, so when appropriate, we're going to have you try and do this together, but, but it's okay to not to. Um, so what we're going to have you do is each of you, uh, for, for addicts and for spouses, we're going to make a, have you make a list, right? Actually, technically it's two lists, a uh, list of areas. One is a list of areas that I myself individually, right. That I could look at the, at one of these two options, right. Either the stabilizing effect that we've talked about or this elimination component, you know, what things can I, what, in other words, what, th- what are some easy ways? What are the most baseline ways that I might be able to make my struggle in whatever capacity that is better? Or are there elements to the struggle that I'm just contributing to directly that I can just get rid of? Yep. Um, like the sleep, like the diet, right? Like those things. Um, and so I want you to make a list of that. And then the second one is a list of the same thing with, with your partner. And again, we would just throw on all of the cautionary components to that that we talked about. Um, if it is, and, and then wherever it's safe to do it, be it with a partner or with other people other than your partner, or maybe it's a combination of both, start sitting down and brainstorming individually and together, you know, what's one commitment that we can make, that I can make to myself, to my partner, to address that, because it is a progress, not perfection kind of deal, right? It isn't realistic to expect a guy who stays up like me till four in the morning every night to magically, you know, be in bed by 10 and getting up at six. Um, but there, but you can develop a game plan for that and, and start to make some, make some, uh, progress that way. And that probably leads us to, uh, our big disclaimer for today, Mark, you want to jump into our disclaimer? <laughs> our, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Our big disclaimer. <laughs> well, really, really our, our, the thing we want to really bring home because we care about you that are listening you know, if you're starting to look at these things with regard to, uh, you know, mental health, mental illness issues, addiction, betrayal, trauma, and you start to recognize things that you can change, either you can stabilize them or you can eliminate them. We really caution you about making serious, intense, big changes, chemically or physically. It's, it, it can be very hard, very hard on the brain and on your body if you make radical changes even radical changes to your diet, radical changes to your sleep habits, to your relationship stuff, but especially when it comes to things like uh, medications, prescriptions, right? Well, I'm just gonna come cold turkey off of what I've been taking. Please, please recognize that any major changes you're making, uh, chemically, physically, emotionally, can have big consequences. Absolutely. Uh, the body and brain can react severely to, to, to radical change. And so you're going to want to make sure that you involve a medical professional, for example, right? If I'm, if I'm overweight and I haven't exercised 
in quite a long time. And I hear this podcast and I say, well, Mark and Steve said I should see what I can stabilize. I'm going to run out my door and go for a three mile run right now. Yes. Right. And the mile and a half in you're laying off the side of the road, um, cursing us. Yes. (laughs) So absolutely. Please don't engage in these big radical changes unless you seek professional guidance and diagnosis and, and helping to ascertain where you're at and the pace at which you can now proceed forward. Absolutely. Be wise. Oh, that's, that's a, that, I would just hit amen on the be wise button. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, we care about you guys. We love our listeners. We want the best for you. We love our clients. And uh, some of you are both of those. And so we appreciate, appreciate working and being able to reach out and, and connect with each of you on a weekly basis. Be safe this week. Have a great one. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you next week. Yep. We'll see you then. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.